this morning on justice. Now, the passage that we read was from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 to 7. This week was an interesting week in the news cycle and uh, the whole of the justice system was the focus. One is about a defence lawyer for the underworld figures down in Victoria who was also secretly an informer to the prosecution, to the government. And people were questioning whether that was absolutely fair. How can you have your lawyer giving away all your secrets to the opposition? And uh, Steve will be shaking his head and say, that's just not right. Anyway. The other is when Cardinal George Pell um, was convicted. This, the trial happened a few months ago, but he was, the news just came out now because of the suppression orders. And he was convicted by a jury for sexual crimes against a child. It happened many, many years ago. There is still an appeal, and that will be heard in a couple of weeks. The whole process has drawn a lot of interest because it comes in the context of much of the things that have happened within churches and, uh, and we're all in many ways tarnished because of that. Many of the laws and many of the stuff that we go through in our training are recommendations that have been brought forth because of this. And it is a, it is a betrayal, it is a lack of trust, it is a, a terrible thing for which he was convicted. At the same time, the discussion continues whether justice has indeed indeed been served or whether the whole process was just... By process, I mean the people who were selected. He was convicted, found guilty by jurors, people selected from the community to serve on the jury. And whether he would ever get any a fair trial because of all of the, the discussion around and the context, whether all of that already tarnished the, uh, the thinking of the jurors themselves. I'm reminded, and some of you will know the story well, that many years ago a jury also convicted Lindy Chamberlain for the death of baby Azaria. She served time in jail. She was released after evidence showed that she was in fact innocent and telling the truth the whole time when she said that a dingo took her baby girl. While we do not want the guilty to walk free, we also do not want the innocent convicted for something they did not do. And in some ways, uh, once the, the, the media and everybody else gets involved into the whole process, then it becomes very difficult to get a fair treatment, especially when it comes to justice. As they say, the courts are there to arrive at a decision, to make a decision, 
but it's not always necessarily justice. We hope and pray that it is justice, that it is the right decision, but it isn't always the case. And we are all born, we all want justice, we're all born with this innate sense of justice with which God created us, what is right and what is wrong. And we can observe this as we even watch children play in the playground. Every now and then you're going to hear a scream as brothers and sisters are playing. It's not fair, or they'll come crying to mum and dad. It's not fair. So even children know about this sense of fairness. As we get older, this sense of fairness stays with us, but we quickly learn the way the world works. So let's define justice. When we speak of justice, what comes to mind? The dictionary says it is the maintenance or administration of what is just, especially by the impartial adjustment of conflicting claims or the assignment of merited rewards or punishments. I hope you memorise that. I can broadly think of three categories that we normally, just to simplify a little bit. First of all, we might be thinking about punishment or judgment, making sure that those who do wrong get what they deserve. This is the most popular category and we usually find out about it from the news media, what are the the cases going before the court. Unfortunately, the news people will play with our emotions because the news, especially today, isn't just about reporting the facts of what had happened. They put their opinions on just about everything and the idea is to guide your thoughts, to play with your emotions. It's a terrible person. It's, uh, you know, they just have to die and everybody gives their opinion and so on and so forth. So they play with what? They play with our sense of fairness in order to grab the headlines, to sell news. This is an old uh, news article from the old Czechoslovakia. Here it goes. Learning that her husband had betrayed her, Vera Shermak jumped out her out she jumped out of her third story window in Prague. The newspaper reported that Mrs. Shermak was recovering in hospital after landing on her husband who was killed. Again, another case of poetic justice, one would say. The world talks a lot about karma, which we as Christians struggle with because it isn't a biblical concept, obviously. The problem with this type of justice is who or what decides what justice is. Do we leave it for the people? Do we leave it for the mob? for the vigilantes. The courts, it's part of our judicial system, part of the way that we run our society that a certain amount of people are selected to serve in our courts as judges. They've studied for a long time to understand the legal process. They have been assigned, they are gifted in this duty to, to look at laws, to 
discuss them, and then in the end, if they become judges, to adjudicate. In the end, somebody or something has to work over and above individuals to determine what justice is. Or will simply sink into everybody doing what is right in their own eyes. People cannot simply take justice into their own hands or it's going to be chaos. Secondly, so first of all we talk about judgment or punishment but we also might be thinking about fairness, ensuring that everybody, everybody is treated equally and given equal opportunity. And this principle of equality is found in most constitutions. I'm sure even North Korea has a constitution and talks about fairness and equality, all of that. But when it comes to practice, is the issue. Is it, is it still followed through what is in the constitution? Listen to this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. This is the American Declaration of Independence. I always find the pursuit of happiness to be quite intriguing, actually. Anyway, it's, it's what they came up with. And these are the, the words from another memorable sermon We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and the Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied. We will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. This is from Amos. He was quoting uh, Amos 5.24. And then he said, I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. That's a great idea, Martin Luther King. The problem is, the problem is that we have worked through the issue of the colour of the skin, but now we find that we cannot even judge on the content of someone's character. It was a great idea, wasn't it? Because that's exactly the way that God judges. He judges according to the content of our character. Equality is important. But again, what standard, what rule will be, you know, equal treatment be given? What is the standard? And thirdly, we can also speak of justice as doing the right thing as opposed to doing the wrong. But you know, what used to be right before is wrong today. And what was wrong before is right today. This tends to shift. Laws in the land can change, sometimes quite dramatically, as we have found out. Is it right for two men or two women to be considered a legal family? and enter into marriage? Is it right for a woman to have the right to terminate her pregnancy? Our laws say yes. God says no. Mordecai found himself in a situation where the law of the land was you had to pay homage, you had to bow down 
before the king. Why do you think the Christians were sent to the lions and the Colosseums? Why they were burnt alive? Because they refused to bow down to Caesar. Caesar is not a god. Everything else they were happy to obey, but please don't make me bow down before Caesar. Who decides what is right in our society? Some people say, let's just go with what the majority think. And we know that that's shifting as well, isn't it? Slowly but surely. Through media and everything else, they, 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 many different ways, they throw in their own ideas and the, and the thought patterns changes, becomes more acceptable than what it used to be. Others say rely on your conscience. A fellow named Trumbull, he said, conscience tells us what we ought to do right, but it does not tell us what right is. That we are taught by God's word. We need a standard. For us Christians, we rely on the word of God for our guidance. And in the Bible, this idea of doing the right thing is called rightness or righteousness, to live rightly. In fact, the Bible has two concepts, righteousness or justice. And they are so closely intertwined that that often translators uh, don't actually know which ones to use because they're essentially the same thing. So let's look a little bit about the passage that we read. Justice fulfilled, our passage from Isaiah chapter 42 verses 1 to 7. This is one of the first times that, that the Messiah is, is, is written about in, in, the, in the book of, of Isaiah. And in these verses, one thing stands out, that, that is that the Messiah, Jesus, is all about justice. And, and Jesus quoted this passage in Luke chapter 4 as he was beginning his ministry when he got into the synagogue. Verse 1 says he will bring justice to the nations. Verse 3 says in faithfulness he will bring forth justice. Verse 4 says he will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on the earth. So in order to understand what justice really is, we have to see what Christ brought when he came. The Messiah was to bring judgment to a people who deserved it. But Jesus, the servant, goes one step further. He came not only to ensure that everybody get what they deserve, but also take the justice upon himself and to give people what they didn't deserve. Taking upon himself what he didn't so that we could have a chance before God. He was to bring equality to a people, to a people who did not treat each other fairly. The Gospel treats everybody regardless of any sort of classification equally 
under God. No such thing as white privilege. Whether you're an Aboriginal or a black or a white or an Asian, you're equally found guilty in the eyes of God and the only way to be saved is through the Son, Jesus Christ, who he has provided. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. doesn't matter what race or anything else. The Gospel lets us all know that we're sinners who need saving and the only way to get saved is through Jesus, the way, the truth and the life. And he was to do this rightly, means that he was going to fulfil all the requirements before the Father, according to God's law. Let's look at justice desired. Are you that kind of person who doesn't like to see the wicked get away with their crimes? Yep. The Bible says that you're just the kind of person that will appreciate the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, the demands of justice will be satisfied. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, spoke about this very issue. The fourth beatitude in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? They will be filled. In many places throughout the Bible, God's people cry out for him to bring justice, to punish those who murder their loved ones, who invade their land, who smash their kids against the rocks, who steal their possessions, who tell lies, who cheat in business, the unjust judges who are very partial in their judgment. God's people cry out to him and ask him to intervene and and bring justice. Jesus told the story of a widow, a poor woman who cried for justice. Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 1 says this, You are always righteous, O Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet, yet, I would speak with you about your justice. I have an issue with your justice. It's a but, isn't it? Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are they getting away with it? Why do all the the faithless live at ease? Look at them. Just look at them. How is this possible to a just God? And this is the prophet he's expressing. But a lot of the times, the psalmists express the same, the, song, the psalms of lament. Sometimes it seems like people who do evil things will just get away with it. But throughout the Bible, God also promises that one day, Justice will be done. No crime will go unpunished. No wrong will go unanswered. How do I know this? In Acts chapter 17, verse 31, the Apostle Paul, 
in Athens. God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. There is a date. There is a place. There is a judge already appointed. In the 1800s, in the, in the US Supreme Court, um, Justice Horace Gray once informed a man who had appeared before him in a, in a lower court and uh, escaped, he escaped uh, conviction on a technicality. And he said this, he said to him as he was, as the guy was being released, he says, I know, this is the judge, okay, I know that you are guilty and you know it. And I wish you to remember that one day you will stand before a better and wiser judge and that there you will be dealt with according to justice and not according to law. Pretty remarkable statement to come from a Supreme Court justice, isn't it? If you desire justice, if you love justice, you're going to like what you see in God's kingdom. But maybe we should all think about this for a minute. Just with a bit of sober, a bit of a sober assessment on the situation. Someone said, injustice is relatively easy to bear. What stings is justice. Remember that one day we will all have to give account before God's judgment seat. We just read that. And, and, and it's like we're trying to find a technicality, a loophole somewhere. Let's just get a good lawyer that is going to get me out of trouble. Do you know any good lawyers, Steve? Because before this judge, he knows every thought, everything, when you appear before him. W.C. Fields was a famous comedian. Some of you might remember him. Famous comedian, and also an unbeliever. We're going back to the black and white days, guys. Uh, there used to be only two colours in the movies. Not yeah. Now, just before his death, uh, a friend visited Fields in, in hospital and was surprised because he never read the Bible, but on his deathbed he was reading and thumbing through the scriptures. And, and his friend asked him what he was doing and Fields replied, I'm looking for loopholes. looking for loopholes. However much I want justice for everybody else who's offended me, who's done me wrong, what I really want for myself and my loved ones and my friends is mercy. I want a loophole. I want a way out to, to get released on a, on a technicality. This is why uh, G.K. Chesterton once said, he said, children are innocent and love justice 
while most adults are wicked and they prefer mercy. Adults plead for mercy. So let's bring justice and mercy. The Bible tells us again and again that God is holy and just. Fortunately for all of us, God is also love and mercy. Nowhere will you find these two come together in a more perfect way than at the cross. Justice and love come together. And God wants his children to reflect his holiness. How do I know that? He says, be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as your father is perfect. It's a pretty high standard. In fact, it's a perfect standard. We're not going to lower the bar just because, you know, we know what you like. No, the standard does not change. It also says, be merciful as your father is merciful. So hang on, we have to be holy as he's holy and we have to be merciful as he's holy. How do you combine that? Jesus also spoke about this on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is unexpected forgiveness. Mercy is a gift. It is not earned. It's forgiveness that someone does for you because you do not deserve it. There is nothing that's done to justify it. God forgives your sins, not because you're trying to make up for it, not because you're trying to pay for your sins. God forgives your sins because he is merciful. And since God has been merciful to us, he expects us to be merciful toward others. He told a parable about this. One guy, he's forgiven a trillion dollars in debt and he goes out, oh, thank goodness, you know, the bank's not chasing me anymore. He goes out and guess what he does? He starts chasing all the people that owe him money. Why should we show mercy to a criminal that clearly doesn't deserve it? Well, we're all sinners We're all criminals in the eyes of God, whether you murder somebody physically or whether you murder somebody in speech or in thought, you're equally guilty in the eyes of God. Who here is going to go in for the police, before the court and say, Your Honour, I'm guilty? What do you mean? Well, I had evil thoughts towards my neighbour. Okay, did you say, did you do anything? No, just evil thoughts. What's wrong with you? You need medication, mate. What is wrong with you? Because, you see, God, it's not just the deed, it's the thought. We're equally as guilty, Jesus said. This is not me, this is Jesus. We're all sinners in the eyes of God, need mercy. Now, four decades uh, ago, there was a, a brutal murder spree in, uh, in the US. Uh, they couldn't find out who the serial, there was a serial killer on the loose. And he used to leave a tag 
his name was, his, the tag was Son of Sam. The serial killer, when he finally got caught, his name is David Berkowitz. He killed six people, innocent bystanders, innocent people, and seven, and wounded another seven. Nowadays, he's still in prison, he'll be in prison for the rest of his life. He hates the name Son of Sam and prefers to go by the name Son of Hope. He's not only a born-again Christian, he continues to share Jesus inside the prison to whoever would listen. He runs Bible studies. His killing spree started in 1976 and he continues to be genuinely sorrowful and and he says, I don't want to get out of prison. I'm going to stay in prison. He knows he deserves to die and deserves to be exactly where he is. And one of his wonderful ministries is actually to reach out to young people to show them the consequences of their actions because that's how he ended up there. So that they would not end up in the same place. Could you find yourself, if you were the one, one of the fathers of the victims or one of the husbands or the wives or one of the people go to visit David in prison and actually call him a brother in Christ. Would you be able to do that? It's remarkable, isn't it? It's no accident that these two qualities of justice and mercy should stand side by side in the very Beatitudes of Jesus that we read. They call for opposite responses, one for punishment, the other for liberty. Hunger and thirst for righteousness and yet be merciful. Both of these characteristics are qualities of God. And God wants to see those qualities replicated in us. The desire for justice, the exercise of mercy. Since God has been merciful to us, we should be merciful as well. Now, justice practiced, our last point. So, what does, it, what does this mean for us today? It means that we are to be a people who strive to practice justice or to live justly. You should know that God has an interest in all our non-religious life as well. There is no distinction between the sacred and the secular in his eyes. It's all or nothing. All our business transactions are his concerns. God is not so distant or even so religious that he only cares about what happens at church. And then once you get out of here, you can do what you want. Every square inch of this earth is his. Every minute of our lives is alone from his breath. This is why in Proverbs we read, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Proverbs 11.1 Be fair in your dealings. It is a verse that comes out of the, the commercial realm, but not limited to it. It includes acts that involve deceit in transactions with other people. False weight. You know what that's like in 
South America, you buy a kilo of sugar, but then is the, the weight on the other side, remember the old balances? Before digital, okay. I know, many of you don't know what it is. Anyway, the kilo wasn't a kilo, all right? In a couple of months' time, as you do your tax returns, think about this verse. As you're trying to get rid of a car, a used car, don't put tomato peels in the uh, gearbox or the, the differential. Don't bog it up. Be honest when somebody comes to buy your car. I know it's hard. Look, mate, it's a little bit smoky, you know, but it's all right. It'll be all right. Come on. Just don't press the accelerator too much, all right? Because, you know, it's a whole puffing billy. No, be honest. It's not about whether you can get away with it or not. Our God watches everything. It is doing the right thing when we know that no one is watching. That's when our character is formed. God is watching. God delights in, in, in seeing us behave justly, in honest dealings, from believers to unbelievers, in whatever way. Live your lives honouring to God. And finally, let me leave you with one of the great verses of Scripture that brings all of these ideas together from the prophet Micah in chapter 6, verse 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Justice, mercy and humility as we walk before God. May God bless us. Amen.